What's up, everyone? This is episode 119 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, first off, I want to say thank you to everyone that listened to last week's conversation with Alex. I always like hearing from other collectors, and it seems like you guys do too, even if they do collect guys like Dwayne Wade, um, a kid, obviously. Thanks again to Alex for coming on the show. Um, Anyway, we've had a couple of noteworthy hobby headlines in the last week and a half or so. I didn't touch on any of that last week, so I want to go over it real quick today. Um, After I do that, I have four pieces of mail that I want to talk about. And then I'm going to close today by talking about my push to try, keyword try, and get organized. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Okay, hobby headlines. As expected, the National confirmed that this year's convention is a go. And a list of autograph guests has already been announced. I think pricing comes out in a day or so too. Let me just say this. I am ready. Um, You might have seen on social media that I got a a Navy Wax Museum shirt in the mail. I'll be sporting that or some variation of it. I have a few different ones. Um, I don't have a booth or anything like that, but if you're there, come find me. I've already had people, you know, messaging me. Hey, are you going to be there? Yes, I'll be there. Come find me. I'll be roaming around for at least a couple of days. Um, In other news, we heard from someone else that will have a much bigger presence at this year's show. And that would be Beckett grading. Our good friend Jeremy Murray took to the Beckett newsfeed this week to pin us all a letter. And before I get to the actual announcement, I want to read his introduction paragraph where he said, quote, Dear Beckett customers and collectors, I hope this letter finds you well as the world tries to get back to pre-COVID days. Beckett has intentionally been quiet over the last few months. That is not because we've had nothing to say or no reason to be proud. We could have been bragging about keeping our services fully open to the public without a price increase. We should have been boastful about increasing the number of new employees we have hired from around the country. We could have shown videos of our massive growth in facilities and operations. Perhaps we should have commented on the numerous new companies that have popped up trying to imitate Beckett grading services, but instead we kept our heads down and continued to grade cards with accuracy and the integrity that the industry expects and has come to know us for. End quote. So now we're led to believe that they haven't given any worthwhile updates as of late because they've been too busy just being so darn efficient. Well, it looks like they took shots at a couple other grading companies in that paragraph, which I think is funny, you know, like they're punching down. Um, It's just another grading company being snarky when they're really in no position to do so. And I wouldn't expect anything less from the king of communication himself. Um, So I just thought, you know, I want to take a look at that intro real quick. So anyway, the actual point of this letter, though, was to eventually announced that they're going to suspend all grading submissions other than their premium level effective June 7th, which of course has already passed, and that they're going to be set up on location at the National. 
And I'll be honest, I thought they were already at the point of shutting everything down. Um, I just assumed that they followed suit with PSA, but they, they hadn't. And uh, look, there's a lot of commentary out about this already. I don't have a lot to add here. I will say I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it needed to happen. And hopefully this will keep us on a path to a more sustainable hobby future. So it's actually news that I'm happy to hear, even though it was sandwiched in a bunch of uh, baloney. So, um, all right, on to the mail, where I'm actually going to start with a graded card. Since we're, we're talking about grading, I'll start with a graded card that I purchased this week. I bought another low-grade George Gervin rookie. And you might remember the Wonder Woman purse fiasco. I, I seem to have an affinity for cheap Gervin cards. But what really attracted to me to this card, though, is uh, was the slap. And I think that's the first time I've ever uttered that phrase. But this copy was graded a 3.5 by CSG. And you might have seen them before. I know I, I posted a little bit about them. They've sprung up recently with some of the other grading companies. I know uh, Beckett mentioned new pop-up imitation grading companies. Well, um, to lump CSG in with them, which is not necessarily what they did, but uh, for anyone to lump CSG in with all of these other startups is kind of insulting. So I want to give some more context real quick. Uh, because I don't consider them to be on the same level as these other startups because they already have an infrastructure in place with their comic book and their Pokemon grading. They've grabbed a couple of guys that have been in the industry a long time. In general, I like what I've seen from this company so far. So, um, you know, I've held a CSG slab at a show before. I, I When I saw this one listed, I just kind of wanted to own one to be able to take a closer look and compare it to some of my other slabs. So um, I could try to talk about that on here. What I think I'm going to do instead is I'm going to put that on my YouTube eventually and hold me to this. I haven't made the video yet, but eventually I want to make a video where I pull out some of my slabs and I, I compare them so we can see, all right, here's what you're getting. You know, here's here are some of the good points. Here's some of the bad points and so on. All right, um, the next piece of mail is from a player that retired right before George Gervin's time in the league. Uh, although Gervin actually started in the ABA, this player was in the NBA. But this card is a 2013-2014 Panini Immaculate Jumbo number patch of Elgin Baylor, numbered two out of four. And there aren't a lot of Elgin Baylor patch cards out there, and definitely not Jumbo patches. To the best of my knowledge, Topps had a blue jersey that they used in some of their products, and Panini has had both a purple and a gold jersey to work with. Um, I always wish that they would make a set of nameplate cards like Topps did, but um, from what I've seen, they, they use the majority of the nameplate from the gold jersey for a 2013-2014 um, gold standard set. So a lot of Baylor patches sprung up in 2013, so I'm guessing they got the jerseys right before then. Um, I don't know what became of the purple jerseys letters, but either way, Baylor's jumbo patches are extremely limited. That's what I'm trying to get at here. So like a lot of cards I talk about, I have a bit of a history with this one. Um, or I should say I have a history of trying to acquire it. So I think this card was listed on eBay for most of 2019 and about half of 2020 with a buy it now of $500. 
and um, I had been shopping for a Baylor patch. This was before he passed. I'd been shopping for probably a couple years, um, but I wanted to find the right one. I really liked this one, but I thought the price was too high, and it ended up selling for $300, which I thought was high at the time. And, uh, you know, I even remember getting the email notification that it sold and being bummed out for a moment. Well, shortly after that sale, it showed up on someone's Instagram page. It was someone that I had chatted with a bit before. I knew they were pretty excited about it, so I just messaged them to congratulate them on the purchase. And that was back in uh, May of 2020. Well, I messaged them again in September. I'll do this from time to time when when people have cards that I like. I don't want to badger them, but um, I just messaged them in September and said, hey, going to throw a question out there. I think I know the answer. Is there any possibility of ever prying that Elgin Baylor jumbo patch out of your hands? And the response was no, sorry. Which, you know, no problem. That's fine. He said he collected that player. Um, I figured I would just have to hope for another one to show up at some point. I still haven't seen another one on eBay, but not long ago, I was scrolling my Instagram feed. I was looking at people's Dallas pickups, and lo and behold, I see one account post a big batch of Immaculate Jumbo patches from the guy that I had messaged in September, and included in that lot was an Elgin Baylor. And my first reaction was, wait a second, you know, he told me he wasn't moving it. And I I had to take a step back. You know, he never, um, it's not like he owed me the chance to get it. Um, I would have appreciated that, but I I wasn't owed anything. So I had to take a step back and realize everyone's life situations change from time to time. Um, Everyone's PC cards, you know, sometimes they can change. Um, And, you know, just life circumstances cause cards to become available. So that's whatever happened here, you know, it is, it is what it is. So I messaged the new owner and I practically begged him for a shot at the Baylor. I let him know I'd been interested in it before. He was kind enough to work with me and let me have a shot at it before it went to eBay. That's all I asked for. I said, look, just let me have a shot at it. And, um, he was very easy to work with. We made a deal and I would say without a doubt, it's one of my 10 favorite cards in my collection. I haven't made a list yet. I know Adam has his top 100. In fact, maybe that's something I'll do this summer. I might want to make a list. I don't think I'll do 100, but I might make a list of my some of my top cards. So, all right. Uh, the next card, so card number three that I got in, is a card I got in after the Jumbo patch, and it's another Elgin Baylor patch. I know I just said how hard, how you know difficult they are to find, Right, I tried for several years to get one, and now I've landed two in the span of a month. So this is a 2007-2008 Topps Triple Threads Relic of Rick Barry, Elgin Baylor, and Larry Bird, numbered one out of three. The theme of this card is the 50 greatest players. Um, These are all three players I enjoy collecting. In fact, I got Rick Barry's autobiography for Christmas. You might have seen me posting pieces from that in the months that followed. The Barry and the Bird Relics are both one color, but the Baylor is a nice piece of blue and white trim. And um, the Lakers only wore those blue jerseys from 1960 to 1967. So needless to say, there's not a lot of that stuff out there. 
Um, coincidentally, like the Jumbo Patch I talked about before this, this is a card that I have a history of trying to acquire. This was listed with another seller earlier this year for $300 or best offer. Well, I submitted an offer that I thought was a little high, but that would get the job done. I did that on March 30th. I offered $75. Um, and I don't mind doing that. Like they had the card listed for 300 75 is what a fourth of that, right? But I, I don't think 300 is a realistic cost. So I don't even consider that a low ball necessarily. So I offered 75 the original seller countered at 250 I upped my offer. He countered at 265 Um, So yeah, I definitely didn't accept that. And eventually the listing was taken down and I just assumed it sold. I think I made three offers on it. So um, it showed up again about a month ago, this time from a different seller. But I knew it was the same card because, well, it looked the same. And then obviously the serial number was the same. So um, this time it was an auction that started at 99 cents and I ended up winning it for $61.80 delivered, which is considerably lower than my third offer that I made. Um, I don't know what all happened that led to the new owner acquiring it and listing it at auction, but I'll take it. And um, to add another weird wrinkle to the equation, the new seller has a card for sale that I've been eyeing for a long time. He won't answer eBay messages. He won't answer his Facebook messages, even though he's seen them. Um, I figured he might respond when I bought a card from him. Nope. But he is a Florida seller, so maybe I'll run into him at a show sometime. I have a feeling that saga isn't over. But for now, I have the Baylor triple I wanted, so overall, I really can't complain. Okay, the final card I want to talk about is a 2004-2005 Topps Chrome Gold Refractor of Reggie Miller. This is one that I, you know, it's numbered to 99. It's, there's a lot of them out there, but they don't show up much. This is one I regret not buying a couple years ago, like many other cards. Um, but I haven't seen one of these in a while. And this one showed up in a chrome lot of Reggie Miller stuff. It's the last gold card I needed for the 2004 Pacers set. The seller and I went back and forth on it a little bit. And eventually we came to a deal um, I paid a little more than I wanted to pay, and that seems to be a trend in 2020 and 2021, but um, I was talking with Steve, aka S. Howley or Showley, whatever you want to call him. We were talking a little bit about the concept of overpaying, and we both agreed that there are some things that we've done really well on, some items that we've done really well on in the last year, and if we can reallocate those funds into maybe overpaying for something that we really want, it more or less evens out. I know different people have different approaches. I, I guess that's how I justify things. Maybe you've adapted your own approach over the course of the last year. Be sure to let me know in the show comments on Instagram. All right, before I move on to my attempts to get organized, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the Wax Museum Podcast gets a small commission in the process. 
The best part is it doesn't cost you one bit. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Boom, baby! Well, I am finally on summer break. It's been a long school year, but now I get a chance to unwind and then eventually recharge a little bit. I have a list of things I've been wanting to get to. Some are personal, some are content related, and some have to do with collecting in general. One of those things involves getting organized. And I get a lot of questions about organization. Truth be told, I don't think I'm very good at it. And I've been doing this collecting thing for a long time. I've had ways that have worked in the past, but as my collection has evolved and as things continue to grow, I feel like I've kind of dropped the ball on adapting to better and more efficient methods of organization. So one of my goals this summer is to fix that, or at least to get better with it. I don't expect perfection, but I'd like to see some progress. And this can go in a lot of different directions. Um, A lot of people ask me about what binders to use, what boxes they should buy, which sleeves fit, which cards. While that's an important part of getting organized, that's not what I'm going to talk about today. I'm more concerned about just cataloging information and uh, pictures. However, I think if I can get the information organized, it will help me to get a better grasp on how I want to then physically organize my cards as well. So um, cataloging, okay? This can be a very intimidating task. And I know a lot of people get hung up on a starting point. I think as long as you're moving things in the right direction, you're doing all right. Now, like everything else in 2021, when I started this whole campaign over the last weekend, I figured there was an app that could help me out. So what I did, and you might have seen this on social media, I made a list of things that I hoped a sports card app could do. That list included, I wanted to add scans or images, which um, I noted that card recognition would be ideal if possible. I wanted to search by player. I wanted to track my purchase price. And I wanted to be able to export the data to Excel. So I put this list out there and I asked you guys if there was any app or any program that could do this for me. And while I waited for responses, I went ahead and set up a spreadsheet on my own that included about everything there except for housing the pictures. I probably could have built that in as well, but I didn't really feel like I needed pictures in the spreadsheet itself. So um, anyway, that's what I was working on my own. Thank you to those of you that responded to my social media post. I knew the card recognition thing was kind of a long shot, although I did have someone tell me that this is coming very soon on a new app. I don't have any more information than that, but they said, stay tuned. Um, Now, the rest of the stuff, though, seemed doable. And the main suggestions I got were the PSA Registry app, Card Genie Pro, and Card Ladder. And I don't have a ton of slabbed cards, but the PSA Registry app sounds really promising from what people were telling me and from what people were posting in the comments. I know I've got a friend that's trying it out right now, but... Um, If you have a bunch of PSA stuff, it should be pretty easy to scan your slabs and get everything added in. And this is a a great time here, I think, also to point out that everyone's attempt to organize will look a little different. And some things will work better for other people. It just depends on what your collection looks like. So um, I don't have a lot of slabbed cards, but I, I actually tried to download the app and log in. Turns in I already had an account. 
Um, I went to log in on the phone and it wouldn't work. I tried on my desktop, no luck. I changed my password three times, it still wouldn't work. Um, you know, I don't think it has anything to do with me being blocked on Twitter from PSA. I don't think those are related. I, I, I don't know. But uh, either way, I took that as a sign that the PSA app wasn't for me. And I moved on, which is a shame because I actually wanted to give it a, a good try. Um, and by this point, I, I had struggled with that quite a bit. I was kind of settled on my spreadsheet because I, I knew what I had there. I knew what I wanted to do. And there wasn't anything that was going to hold me back. But um, I at least wanted to check a couple more things out. So I searched Car Genie Pro in the App Store and I watched a 13-minute tutorial on it. They've got it right there in the App Store. You don't have to go anywhere special. I think it's on YouTube as well. But um, it's an app that was developed by another collector. And it looks like it has an, an initial cost of $3.99. And from what I can see, you can enter a card in the app and it'll show you eBay sales, pop reports, um, if it's an active player, it'll pull up player stats. Although a lot of the guys that I would be searching, I think it, it'd probably just tell me they were dead. But um, it finds templates to help you sell your cards on eBay. It seems like a lot of practical stuff, but probably not stuff that I'm looking for um, at the moment. But who knows? I might buy it anyway just to support the creator and learn more about it later on. So I'm not ruling that one out. I'm not telling you to get it or not get it. I'm just telling you that one was recommended to me, and it definitely seems like an option. Um, the third suggestion was one that I'm most familiar with, and that's Card Ladder. I've used Card Ladder a little bit to track movement on the few slabbed cards that I do own. Um, I've also used it at a show to look up prices of slabbed cards, so it's really nice for slabbed cards. And um, when someone first suggested this to me for what I'm doing now, I, I basically said, well... I like what these guys are doing, but I, I want a more basic tool to track my collection. Um, I think that was just code for I'm a curmudgeon and I really like this spreadsheet that I built. Um, several people, thankfully, were able to interpret that comment and they let me know, hey, the pro version of Card Ladder makes a spreadsheet for you, which I, I honestly had no clue. Um, I was looking for it on my phone. It turns out you have to do it on the computer. So... That makes a lot more sense anyway. Where am I going to use a spreadsheet? Well, I'll use it more on my computer. So um, I exported the spreadsheet and it was it was very similar to the one that I had created on my own. So if I hadn't already input over 150 cards the weekend before, I think I definitely would have gone that route. But um, lesson learned. I think some of you can learn from my stumbling around. It all just depends on your situation. I, I think Card Ladder is a great tool. Um, it's going to cost you something like $15 a month, although I know I've heard some other content creators have some promos going out there. You might be able to get it for cheaper. Um, if that's too much for you, I know you know everyone's on a budget. Card Genie Pro, it looks like it's just a one-time payment of $3.99, and it's fairly stripped down compared to Card Ladder, but um, that is an alternative that could save you if you're not wanting to spend the money or if you want to try something cheaper first. And then if you can get your PSA registry credentials to work, um, looks like that's a viable option as well. Just a disclaimer, none of these three apps are paying me to say any of this today. I'm just taking the suggestions that people gave me and I'm giving my honest assessment of them. So 
Um, like I said earlier, as long as you're making moves in the right direction when it comes to organization, I think that's all right. So for me, no matter what option I went with, it got me further than I already was. And I just happened to go with the free one. That's probably going to take me a lot more time, but I've already invested a lot of time into it. So I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of sticking to that path. Um, I do think though it's going to be a little more customizable because I'm not actually pulling information from anywhere else. I can adjust it how I need to. Okay, so that covers the um, information or the data portion of getting organized. But what about the pictures? Okay, so allow me to lay out my current situation. I've talked about Photo Bucket before and how that used to be a huge part of the hobby. When that website became unusable, um, it forced people to really, they just scattered and they looked for something new. Some people migrated to Flickr, which is where I went to first. Others shifted more to Instagram. You guys know all about Instagram. It's great for networking, but searching for pictures is rough. You have to be pretty dedicated to using hashtags, which I am not. And um, I first signed up for Flickr a little over four and a half years ago. I like Flickr because you can use it on your phone you can use it on your desktop. You can organize everything into albums. I like having albums a lot. Um, each image has a button that creates a, what's called a BB code, which is necessary if you're going to post on message boards. Um, you can search for your card images as long as you've titled them properly. And both the desktop platform and the app are pretty user-friendly. Now, the major downside is you can only have a 1,000 photos on the free version. That sounds like a lot. Trust me, it fills up fast, okay? Now, um, when I first started uploading there, I used a multi-purpose inkjet printer that has a flatbed scanner on the top. In fact, it's still the same scanner that I'm using. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense to scan each card one by one. So once I, what I would do is, you know, every time I would get mail, I would kind of stack it on my desk. Once I get a small stack, I'd scan them all at once, then I can crop them all at once. Uh, that system worked pretty well, but over time I got more into Instagram and I got apps on my phone like uh, Office Lens, which you know you can use filters, it'll make your pictures look better and so on. I figured out that some cards looked better in pictures than they did in scans, especially some that had real chunky patches, um, and then it also became a matter of convenience. It was just a lot easier to snap a few pictures and go from there. Well... Um, here we are years later, and I've got little to no continuity. Everything I acquired before a certain point is a scan on my Flickr that's in the proper album. Everything is in its proper place. Um, that's probably been a few years ago. Everything since then, uh, some of it made its way to Flickr. Some of it made its way to my Instagram. Some of it got in the right folder. Some of it didn't, but nothing really matched. And um, I was also getting dangerously close to my thousand picture limit on Flickr. So this past weekend, I had to kind of look at everything and come up with a plan because I wanted to fix it. And um, there were several things I knew going in. I wanted to stay with Flickr and I wanted to get more cards scanned in. Um, I also recognized that all of my flawless patch scans looked really good. And then the flawless patch pictures didn't. They looked like trash. And additionally, I had a lot of cards that could be grouped together and scanned. So for example, I have 17 Rick Smith's Flawless Jumbo Patches. 
That's no joke. I have 17 of them. So if I combine those, you know, I had 17 different pictures. If I combine those in three scans, in theory, that frees up 14 pictures that I can use for something else. Um, and that's exactly what I did. On Monday, I scanned cards for eight hours. I even ended up scanning for a couple hours on Wednesday as well. Um, and actually, I really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. My hobby room was a disaster. It was a lot of work. Um, in fact, I still haven't got to all the shiny stuff. That'll be for another day. Um, but it's not work that someone else is forcing me to do. It really made for an enjoyable day. I knocked out a handful of podcasts. I thumbed through a lot of cards I hadn't looked at in a long time. And I feel like the whole situation gave me some much needed perspective. Because um, I spent a lot of time hunting for cards over the years. And I document that part of my journey almost weekly. I talked about the little rush you get when you get a card in the mail. But oftentimes, I'll land a crazy card and I don't stop to appreciate it enough. It just gets tucked away into a box and it's on to the next one. Scanning everything in and organizing them into albums prompted me to really appreciate what I have. It's one thing to have everything tucked away in boxes, but this allowed me to view everything in totality. It was a great feeling. And now that it's digitized, I think I can emulate that feeling again without dragging every box out of every hiding place. Um, better yet, it gives me an easier way to share my collection with other people. Because let's face it, this hobby just isn't much fun if it can't be shared in some way. So eventually, I'd like to make some YouTube videos to show off those Flickr albums. Make sure you're subscribed so you'll see those when they show up. All in all, I ended the day feeling good about what I had accomplished. I'm not done with this whole organizing campaign, but I feel like I made great progress. Um, and somehow, you know, maybe you'll benefit from this too. I sincerely hope that I can enhance your hobby experience in some way. All right. Well, there you have it. I know I get a lot of questions about organization. A lot of those pertain to physical methods, you know, boxes, binders, like I said earlier. That's probably the next step for me. Maybe you have a system that works great for you. Or maybe there was something I said today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. I'm also on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site. This is very simple. Before you go to purchase or bid on an item, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow that click. It's a simple way to support the show, but it really helps me out. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.